Section 11 of The Age of the Condottieri by Oscar Browning. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 5. Cosimo de' Medici. Paul II. Part 2. After the death of Cosimo, the most important members of the Medician party were Agnolo Acciacciuli, Dietzalvi Neroni, and Luca Pitti they thought that it was very doubtful whether piero with his ill health would be able to manage so large and cumbrous a business and they expected to succeed in undermining his influence in order to prepare the way for their own cosimo had directed his son to take the advice of neroni both in public and in private affairs and he recommended piero to recall a great deal of the money which had been lent lavishly to private citizens hoping thus to ruin his popularity he then proceeded to further measures he formed a conspiracy with the other three the object of which was to estrange piero from the sforzeschi and to abolish the appointment of offices by the balia and to have recourse to the lot this proposition was carried with only five dissentient voices in november fourteen sixty five niccolo soderini became gonfaloniere della giustizia an occasion comparable to that in may thirteen seventy six when salvastro de medici was carried in triumph into the public palace and laid the foundations of the greatness of his house soderini was very likely not actuated by personal ambition but by the desire to restore liberty and to prevent the predominance of a single family in the state his party was called del poggio or the hill deriving its name from the hill of st george on which luca pitti's house stood that huge building once the palace of the ducal medici and now of the kings of italy the medici party was called the party del piano or of the plain names which recall the factions of ancient greece so Dedini found that he could effect very little he summoned two meetings of the citizens one of five hundred and one of three hundred and sought their advice but every one had a different plan to propose he tried to abolish the council of a hundred a recent creation of the medician party but he could not succeed he then proposed to examine the accounts of those who had administered the government but this luca pitti would not agree to his office came to an end before he could do anything except refill the bags which contained the names of candidates for office the death of francesco sforza on march eighth fourteen sixty six seemed to deprive the medici of their chief support in italy during the first six months of fourteen sixty six the two parties stood and watched each other the hill party knew not where to turn for allies milan and the other chief italian powers were friendly to the medici pope paul the second who had succeeded pope pius the second was neutral their only hope seemed to lie in the republic of venice which was occupied by its struggle against the turks they opened negotiations with bartolomeo colleone of bergamo the great condottiere leader whose magnificent equestrian statue stands in the square which fronts the school of st mark at venice they also thought of inciting rene of anjou to hold in check king ferrante of naples and acciaciuli did actually unite 
for the assistance of Borso d'Este, Duke of Modena. He dispatched his brother Ercole d'Este with 800 cavalry, 2,000 infantry, and 1,000 archers. They were already on the march when Piero was informed of his danger by the Lord of Bologna and the Duke of Milan. Piero narrowly escaped being killed by the conspirators. A plan had been formed to cut him down as he returned from his villa at Careggi into Florence. There is a tradition that his young son Lorenzo saved his father's life by riding quietly along the roadway as if his father were following, and so keeping the conspirators in expectation, whilst Piero reached Florence by another route. He went immediately to the Signoria and told them of the danger which threatened. He took no strong measures against his adversaries, but even tried to win over Luca Pitti by promising that Lorenzo should marry his daughter, and that he should have an important place in the government. By this means he avoided an outbreak of civil war. The new priors who entered on their office on September 1, 1466, were all favorable to the Medici. The bell was sounded, and the people were summoned to a parliament. The result of this was that the appointment of offices by nomination was restored for ten years, and the heads of the Hill Party were sent into banishment. Ajaciuli and his sons to Barletta, Soderini to Provence. The archbishop of the family of the Nerini fled to Rome. Luca Pitti remained in Florence, but his punishment was worse than exile. His palace remained unfinished, his friends who had given him presents demanded them back of him, he died in obscurity, despised and neglected by all men. Thus the prudence of the Medici gained its ends. The authority which seemed personal in Cosimo was strengthened and perpetuated in his son Piero, and marks a new epoch in the history of Florence, bringing the communal government to an end and preparing the way for the Medician principate. The Florentine exiles did not put up quietly with their defeat. They still continued their negotiations with Venice and persuaded Bartolomeo Colleone to join the lords of the Romagna in campaign against Florence. To meet the general suspicion of danger which hung over the whole of Italy, the ambassadors of Milan, of Florence, and of King Ferrante formed the League at Rome for twenty-five years on January 4, 1467, giving the opportunity of entering it to Siena, Lucca, Louis Gonzaga of Mantua, and even to the Republic of Venice, of whom they were especially afraid. The Pope did not take part in it, reserving to himself liberty of action. The League of Rome chose Federigo, Duke of Urbino, as their commander-in-chief. The two armies of Colleone and the League were arrayed opposite to each other in the neighborhood of Imola, but nothing decisive took place. The new Duke of Milan, Galeazzo Maria, was in the camp of the League, and his rank gave him an authority which his experience did not justify. The Florentines contrived to induce him to visit their city, where they entertained him with games and amusements. In his absence, the Duke of Urbino was able to fight a battle. It was long and bloody, but indecisive. The Duke, when he returned to the camp, was very angry that an engagement had been fought in his absence and withdrew his contingent. He had also heard that Amadeus the Ninth, 
the new duke of savoy was invading the dominions of the marquis of montferrat his ally this duke called the blessed did much to restore the prosperity of his country and was greatly assisted by his wife violante the sister of louis the eleventh king of france after the departure of the duke the war continued to smoulder but both the venetians and the duke of milan were anxious that the conflagration should not become too dangerous at last on the day of the purification of the blessed virgin february second fourteen sixty eight the pope published a bull for the pacification of italy especially between naples venice milan and florence each of these powers was to accept the peace within thirty days coglione was to be made captain-general against the turks with a stipend of one hundred thousand ducats and was to restore the territories he had recently captured peace was finally made in may with the exclusion of the duke of savoy pope paul the second of the venetian family of barbi was a very handsome man proud of his appearance and fond of pageants and fine clothes he desired to assume the title of formosus on his accession and he laid great stress on the external trappings of his position the jewels on his papal throne were valued at eight hundred thousand gold florins to save money for this splendour he turned out the copyists and scribes who had swarmed in the vatican during the reigns of his literary predecessors they rebelled against this treatment and shut him up as a prisoner in the castle of st angelo without the culture of a nicholas or a pious he was just as much of a pagan the vatican reeked with the greatest pollution and the pope celebrated his carnival with representations of gods and heroes nymphs and bacchanals on the other hand he deserves the credit of having revised the statute book of rome and having established judges of the peace to put down the system of wholesale assassination the life of piero de medici was now drawing to a close the exiles had lost all hope of returning to their native land and gave but little sign of their existence or of their discontent florence was engaged in a short war with the pope for the possession of rimini sigismundo malatesta lord of that city died on october ninth fourteen sixty eight leaving as his heir a bastard son robert paul the second claimed the fief as escheated to the church hoping to obtain it for his nephew agostino barbo robert offered to secure the city for the pope if he might be allowed to drive out his stepmother isolta from the possession of it the pope consented but soon found that robert intended to secure the city for himself a war began in june fourteen sixty nine and florence milan and naples found themselves allied against the pope federico of urbino gained a decisive victory for the allies on august thirtieth the venetians were prevented from helping paul the second by the terrible news of the capture of negropont by the turks and his holiness at last recognized the succession of the bastard son lorenzo de medici was now nineteen years of age as his father was kept in the background by illness the son came forward to take his place by frequent travels in italy he had come to live on intimate terms with the italian princes he had been received with royal honours 
at the courts of ferrara of milan of venice rome and naples he took an active part in public affairs his literary education had been superintended by gentili d'urbino and the greek argyropoulos he had written poetry as a boy ficinus had initiated him into the philosophy of plato the medician palace was the principal place of resort for literary men and distinguished foreigners lorenzo was large and well formed in body but an ill-shaped nose and a massive jaw deprived his face of beauty his voice was harsh his sight weak and he was entirely without the sense of smell the former league was renewed by the treaty of naples on july eighth fourteen seventy it comprised naples milan and florence as well as many smaller states the pope gave it his adherence toward the end of december after the peace lorenzo was able to quietly assume his own position he persecuted one by one the caponi the strozzi the pitti the alessandri and the soldarini in short all the families of distinction which were not decidedly attached to the medician party the severity displayed in their banishment and executions formed a strong contrast to the splendours of the medician court at the age of twenty-one lorenzo married clarice daughter of jacopo orsini a distinguished roman noble to celebrate his betrothal a tournament was held in the square of santa croce on february seventh fourteen sixty nine a very grand and magnificent pageant which attracted lords and knights from the whole of italy pulci the author of morgante maggiore a poem which excited the admiration of byron and inspired don juan gave a minute description of the festival in three cantos piero rode out preceded by nine trumpeters and a page with a red and white banner he was accompanied by two giants in full armour and twelve young nobles on horseback the dress of giuliano lorenzo's brother's son was valued at eight thousand ducats five pages followed him on horseback then came drums and fifes and lastly lorenzo himself he was clad half in armour and half in silk and across his breast was a scarf embroidered with fresh and faded roses and the legend le temps viendra in thickly clustered pearls on his satin cap sewn with pearls he bore three feathers of gold lace set with diamonds and rubies and in the middle a pearl worth five hundred ducats on his shield was a diamond called il libro valued at more than ten thousand ducats his horse a present from king ferrante of naples had a saddle-cloth of red and white satin also sewn with pearls his dress worn in the tournament itself was different and on it were conspicuous the gold lilies of france in an azure field the victory was probably arranged for him beforehand he says of himself that though he was young and not very expert yet he received the prize a helmet inlaid with silver surmounted by a figure of mars the god of war and the ancient protector of the city these details have been dwelt upon to show how regal the state of the medici had become and how far it had departed from the republican simplicity of earlier days piero remained almost continually shut up in his villa of Careggi, racked by gout in every limb and entirely unable to move 
Before his death he increased the dominions of Florence by the purchase of Sarzana, which defended the territory of the Republic on the side of Genoa and rounded it off in that direction. He was never able to acquire the much-coveted town of Lucca, which indeed was not united with Tuscany until after the middle of the present century. Piero died on December 3, 1464. Just a year before this, the Emperor Ferdinand II made an unexpected expedition into Italy under the pretense of performing a vow which he had made during the siege of Siena in 1462, but really with the object of consulting the Pope on the subjects of Milan, Hungary, Bohemia, and the Turkish War. The Pope treated the Emperor with great condescension, and the Emperor was not able to assert himself. Christendom saw, for the last time, its temporal and spiritual heads walking together through the streets of Rome under the same canopy. Frederick took occasion of publicly depriving Galeazzo Maria Sforza of the Duchy of Milan, and investing a grandson of his own with the fief. The proposed measures against the Turks came to nothing. The last act of Paul II was to create his favorite, Borso d'Este, Duke of Ferrara. He died suddenly on July 26, 1471. His servants found him dead in his bed. He had not even received the last sacrament. There is no doubt that he died of apoplexy, but the report was that he was strangled by certain devils which held him fast. He had carried out nothing of the designs of Pius II, and his only merit was to have increased, to some slight extent, the material power of the Holy See. His reign appears most favorable when compared with those which followed it. After his death, the corruption and the degradation of the papacy proceeded with rapid strides. End of section 11